0: Abba Yahweh, again, you've breathed into me, graced me with another day, allowing the opportunity for me to enter your treasure house, to draw from your treasury, to share with they that have an ear and want to hear your good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that the Holy Spirit is with us, That we can draw comfort from you, that you are our refuge, our strong tower, our shield, and you go before us, as you did with the children when they came from Egypt. You go before as a pillar of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire to guard and comfort at night, Father. Thank you. Avayawi, aman. Yeshua, aman. Parakletos, aman. Yes, God is always with us. The enemy loves it when we listen to these words that he puts in, that white noise interference that he uh, tries to get us to grab onto. And, and sadly, many that claim to be Christians do grab on and hold on to those. It seems that they more readily grab lies and a falsehoods then they do the truth and looking around because the their eyes are scaled over, their spiritual eyesight is diminished, and their spiritual hearing is plugged up. And that to me is is sad, um, claiming that, but yet they don't act as if they have any kind of communication with God whatsoever. The enemy, Satan, his minions, those that work for him, the Chaldean spirits, those powerful warrior demons that are his, they do exist, they are real, they come. Trust me when I tell you this, they come. Sometimes they come hard. But if you are leaning into the word of God and you are leaning in toward God and trying to hear him speak to you, you will hear him speak, but you have to lean not on your own understanding. Throughout the Bible, it talks about that. You have examples of that. Abraham and Sarai, or at that time it was Abram and Sarai. Their names were different. And when God made a covenant with Abram that he would have a ch- have children and bear seed, and Sarah I took it upon herself because goodness gracious, Abram was eighty six years old, and God decided decided in his wisdom for some reason that Sarah would be barren and not bear Abram children and when Abram shared that with her she was skeptical and actually there was a conversation that God had with Abram and Sarah laughed because God had made a promise to him and because of his age. So Sarah decided without God's input and remember I shared this with you that God needs to be in everything. I trip and fall, and I try to do it by myself or think that I've got it. Or, you know, you kind of don't even look toward God. You just put your hand up like you would do one of your fellow works. I got it. I got it. I got this. I got this. No, you don't. Not without God. You should put Him in. Everything. So Sarai took her handmaid, Hagar, and sent her into Abram. And she convinced Abram that it would be a good idea because, you know, got luck God's not letting me have any children, my womb is closed up and God made this covenant with you, made this deal, and somehow you're supposed to have a whole bunch of kids. But how are you gonna have children and how are you gonna have offspring if I can't have any? So Abram relented and took Hagar in. Hagar conceived a child and his name was called Ishmael. And then, of course, Sarah got upset and gave her the boot and kicked her out of the house. She went wandering out in the wilderness and her and her baby were wandering and she didn't know what to do. And she cried out to God. God heard her, sent an angel. The angel sent her back to the house. But took care of her, made sure that her baby had water, made sure that she had water. And she actually took a took and and made a covenant with commitment to God. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. This is in I'm sorry, Genesis um sixteen. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Which means that she was looking for God. She was crying out to God and looking for God. Wherefore, the well was called Bilaharoi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. And what that Means is that she called that well, a well to the living one who sees me. Adonai Eloi. The Lord God who sees me. So even in the midst of her tumultuous situation and what kind of situations are y'all in or are, do we get into that we think are so terrible and that we give up and we hear and we hearken to the white noise of, of Satan and the and minions that come and bring that slithering, scattering. You know, if you've ever heard a scorpion on tile or stone, you know, you can hear the little, the little tap-tap-tapping of their foot. And those pests, they come. Oh, they come. So how many are giving heed to that? instead of paying attention to God talking. So giving up and that that situation that Hagar was in, but she was talking to God. She was seeking God. She She was seeking God. She was seeking after God and looking for him and calling to him, and he answered. He sent an angel to her. He provided her with water so that this child that she had would not... Perish. The child crying. God heard the baby and heard her calling. God listens. All the time. You might not get the answer that you want to hear. You might not get it at your timing, but remember this: God's watch does not work with the gears and wheels and springs as are, or those electronic, fancy, schmancy things that people get and spend a fortune on. It doesn't function the same way. This works His watch works on heavenly time, or some call it, universal time. Days are long on his calendar. A thousand years is as a day, a day is as a thousand years in the eyes of God and in his walk. Our watches don't matter. So don't sit there and tap your foot or tap the back of your watch. God, when are you going to? 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 Wow, 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 wow. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are you going to give it to me yet? Are you going to give it to me yet? Are you going to give it to me yet? And you have to have integrity in your prayer too. Come on, just think about it. God wants us not to be in positions of hardship, but you have to remember that when we're walking there, he is with us also. He will not leave nor forsake. Don't be praying for silly things like a, a Tesserosa, Lotus, a, a Corvette, any of those fancy cars, or a great big Raptor truck. For crying out loud, the truck, the pickup truck, costs fifty thousand dollars used, and you you praying out for these temporal things that ha- will not last. By the time you even get around to using it, or You know, then you have things start to break down on it. Then you have to spend a small fortune because you have to have specialists to be able to do anything to it. Be reasonable when you talk to God. Have spiritual integrity when you talk to God. God will provide your needs. And brothers and sisters and anyone that is listening out there, that want to become a brother and sister and be adopted into the family of God. Understand this, that God many times will also give you your needs. All all the time gives you your needs, I'm sorry. And he will sometimes get you a want. But don't be ridiculous. I want a mansion. I want a speedboat. I want this. I want, And you're, all these riches and things that ultimately what it comes down to is what people can look at and see what you have. Really? Is that absolutely necessary? No, it's not. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be given unto you. God wants you to not just exist but then you have individuals who, well what about them what about them look it over there what how come they're there how come they're this what business is it of yours first of all it's not any of your business because if God is dealing with them a certain way that is his business and none of yours if he invited you to come and pray with them and be with them and bring word to them, that's different. But to sit there and point your finger, be judging, being judgmental over them and questioning Sovereign Lord God Almighty, you have some issues you need to take care of and you need to get back in the word of God. Seek his face first. And God will respond if you really have a true, honest question about that. And you're not questioning God's, uh, first of all, his ability and his sovereignty. And you have a question that is troubling your heart. You talk to God. God will respond. God answers me when I talk to him. He does answer. I've seen answers given to other people. I shared with you that young woman who came and the, and the, the, my fellow worker and I, we were discussing certain scriptures and we were talking about God. And when she went to leave, she stopped and turned and she goes, I don't mean to interrupt you and I'm sorry, but I was overhearing what you were talking about. She broke into tears because she had been seeking God's word Talking to God and praying for for a word from Him. That word from Him was given by myself, and my and my coworker. It was awesome. We were just having a conversation. I didn't hear this revelation voice. Raven, you and Joshua will speak about this. And she shall overhear it. It wasn't like that. We were just talking about the word of God. We were in agreement with God's word. We liked talking about God. We liked talking about his word. She overheard that and she started crying and weeping and saying that is what she was wanting. That's what she was waiting to hear. What we were talking about was exactly what she was praying about. That's the mystery of God and that's how God works. Trust me in this, he will come sometimes and he will declare in that very authoritative, sovereign voice, Lord God Almighty, King above all, creator of all things, and he will speak in that manner. But it depends on his working. Working doesn't have to be that way. This is where many get all uh, worked up and they they think that God is going to holler out in a trumpet, a loud trumpeting voice, and it's gonna be like uh, John had described in the book of Revelation. You see the throne and, and the river comes flowing from the throne and it's with the sound of many waters and his voice was like rolling thunder. Yeah, God is sovereign God, the maker of all things made, and he is your creator of all things. So he can appear that way. Or he can appear as a gentle breeze and you hear his voice on the wind. He can appear to us that way as well. The mystery of God. Don't know when. Don't know how. And sometimes you will not know why it's none of your business. It's not my business to question his authority or why he is doing something a certain way, not even in my own life. Don't throw yourself down and start whining and crying and, Oh, why is this happening to me? God, why, God, why, 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 why? How about what, 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 God, what are you trying to show me in all things? we don't face anything on our own. We're not alone. I do believe that. And the enemy tries to get me to believe that I'm on my own and uh, sometimes will try to convince me that I can take care of something on my own or that, you know, it's that's so trivial. God doesn't want to hear about that. God is our good, good Father. He wants to hear everything that's going on in our lives. (coughs) When we start focusing on those things that are visible around us, even the most seemingly mundane, or if it's something that's going to be an issue, God wants to hear about it. The enemy tries to get you to believe that number one like the spies when they went into Canaan and they came back and said oh oh there's giants we saw ourselves as grasshoppers God can't possibly be powerful enough to handle that we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes we must be that to them and then convince of course the nation that they're not going to go in and follow God's word and direction and that he is all-powerful And be able to handle the situation. So they diminished God instead of magnifying him. So until that generation had passed. They wandered around. Spent a lot of time wandering it seems. But when you focus on those things that are even seemingly mundane. But they're visible. They're in this existence. But God can handle it. He can. He really can. God is sovereign. Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made. And when we tend to focus on those little mundane things, which I fall guilty sometimes to do that, thinking that it's small enough, I can take care of it on my own and because it's visible and I'll just deal with it. And I don't invite God to walk with me, but he's watching anyway. And he's there, remember, he's omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, meaning that he sees all, knows all, always there, and he's all-powerful. So even in those little mundane things, and I leave him out and take a step out and try to do it on my own, and then I realize, oh, that was really silly and I I find myself becoming agitated in the midst of this seemingly minor issue, and I ask God to forgive me and help me, and that I know that he can. And he might let me fumble a couple more times, and then he gently puts his hand on mine, and it's okay. We need to remember to invite him Firstly as we enter into this situation, we need to also remember that Jesus Christ (coughs) gave us his disciples as he spoke in Matthew, and he gave his disciples, which we are, incidentally. You know, when you go through the New Testament and you read about Jesus talking to his disciples, and God doesn't mind this being done. I've shared that with you before, is that he doesn't mind. So when... You get to a passage to make it more personal for you, you sit there and say, and Jesus told them, you can say, And I told you. And when he says things like the like to the disciples, when he says, um, when he talks about things in particular when he gave them authority over the serpents and scorpions. And Jesus spoke to his disciples saying, well, change it, make it more personal. And Jesus spoke to me and he gave me that. Because brothers and sisters, those of you that are walking in faith and believing, you are his disciple. Disciples are studying the word They're following the word. They want to have faith in God. They want to listen to the Holy Spirit to guide and teach them (coughs) and to order their steps, which the Bible says that He will do. And that passage that I was sharing with you about looking to God first in Matthew 7 and 33, or 6 and 33, I'm sorry. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for itself, things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. And that's Jesus speaking. And what he's saying is that, why are you worried about so much stuff that's way out there in front? And remember, I've shared this with you, that God has given us, we are given that ability in our minds to be able to pre-plan, put things out there. The problem that we come into and that we stumble on so much is that we do that but we add so much junk to the calendar and our agenda and in our arrogance we write it in pen and we don't invite God into the confrontation into the conversation and he's not even consulted we just do it and then we fret about all those things that are out there Man, I I shouldn't have put it on that day, but now I now I've made given my word that it would be this and thus and thus and this. And then like Jesus says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. The mar- tomorrow's got issues of its own. What you need to worry about is your walk now. Here is God with you. Am I with you? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit to guide your steps? We'll help you through these things, but you wrote them down and you didn't even ask us. You didn't even invite us to the walk. You just decided that you were gonna take the walk on your own. And focusing on that visible world and leaving Jesus Christ, Lord God Almighty, out of the picture. The fix is really easy. It's a it's a heavenly super-duper glue, actually. They have all these advertisements about Gorilla Glue and all that stuff. Oh, the fix-all that God provides is m- such a powerful adhesive. Oh, my gosh. All you have to do is look around. Look up there and see the stars and the planets and all these things that are put together with the bonding of this heavenly, powerful adhesive that God has. What is that? It is his breath. It is his word. It's his touch. Powerful. And all we have to do is fix our eyes on him, seeking his face, seeking his word, his knowledge, his truth. Seek it. Remember I shared with you. Seeking, it doesn't mean just kind of glancing over here, glancing over there. "Ah, I can't find him. I can't find it. So are you hiding from him or attempting to, which you can't do anyway, or are you seeking him, seeking his face, looking for him, diligently? When you seek something, you look for it diligently, meaning that you spend time in the word of God. You spend time in prayer. Through the course of the day, I I try very hard to remember to keep throwing prayers out there all day long. I'm either humming praise to God as I'm doing my job. I can do these things. You can also pray with your eyes open. You can think and focus mentally on God. Seek God. He hears your thoughts and he can read your heart. He can do these things. Trust me. It's in the word of God. It's his truth. He's shown me too many times that he does these things. And I believe him. I believe what I have seen. I believe what I've heard. I believe what I've done. I believe what God has done. The most beautiful thing is that I believe is his forgiveness. Satan wants you to fall down. He wants you to throw your hands up in the air, show your shoulders, say, I give up, I can't do this, I can't keep walking, God, I can't. And he doesn't want you to talk to God. He doesn't even want you to say something like, oh God, I can't do it. He doesn't want you talking to God at all. He just wants you to give up, to give in, to be discouraged, to be dismayed and say, I can't do this anymore, I don't see God. And he wants to convince you that God is not listening. And because God didn't give you the answer when you thought you should get the answer, Satan starts working on that weakest point of attack. I've shared that with you before. It doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess is, your arrogance to make you think that you're so smart that Satan can't possibly get into your head. Oh yeah, he can. Yes, he indeed can. Solomon was given a gift of God, knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. And he fell prey to the voice of the enemy. David, a man after God's own heart, he fell. And he tripped and he fell a lot. He had issues and they always came in his thought process, and his mind, and the enemy was there. But where did David turn and Solomon return? Always back to God. Again, I share this with you. I've shared it with you many times before. I'll share it with you again. Repetitive, repeating and repetitive verses and natures and words are necessary sometimes because they're important. God is always listening. God is always with us. He's always beside us. And no matter what the devil tries to get you to be convinced of, it's a lie. Remember this always. God does forgive. God does not condemn. God will not point his finger at you and say, you did that. What what were you doing that for? You should have been sleeping. Why were you doing that? What were you doing? If you had been talking to me and gone to sleep, Well, God doesn't talk to us that way. God will come in and you'll have that conviction in your heart, the squeezing of the heart to get you to believe. And and here's the thing too, you have to differentiate. Conviction does not mean like it is uh, similar to what we have here. When we're convicted of something, you go to jail or you get a ticket or you get fined. It isn't that kind of conviction. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, when he grabs onto your heart, he gets your thought process to turn back to God and back up and get you to repent. God does not condemn for things that you do or have done. God forgives. That's what God does. Satan condemns, tries to convince you that God is not going to listen because you did such and such, thus and thus, and this and this and that and that. Satan gets you convinced that God is not listening to you because of those things. But that's not true. Romans chapter 8, our adoption letter. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So if you speak the, seek the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, you seek the truth, you seek his word, there is no condemnation. Just like the perverts tried to say that John 3.16 is being taught wrong. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then they go on to twist it and say, well, see... God is saying, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. God never said that. Read that whole chapter in its entirety and be contextual. God says, if you don't believe, you have condemned yourself. If you turn and walk away, you have condemned yourself. You have just, you've made the choice. We are Creation of choice. God made us that way. A free will choice. We have choices in many things in life. We can choose to be an honest business person or you can choose to be a thief and a liar. You can have integrity in your business. You can have integrity in the work that you do or the business that you're involved in. Or you can be a liar and deceptive and cheat and do as little as possible To get a buy with just enough to get your day done and collect your paycheck. You can be that way. It is a choice that you make. Just like the walk in life. We either choose to follow God or we choose not. The two natures. I shared that little poem that uh, Dr. Jeremiah And I use his honorific and I don't mind doing that because he's not arrogant about his doctrine. He's an eloquent speaker. He's a loved man and he speaks from the word of God. I don't mind bestowing that honorific to him. See, there's a difference in the way that people do this. There are those that demand that honorific and there are those that command that honorific. This man commands that because he speaks in eloquence. He speaks in truth. I've tried his spirit. And he speaks from the Bible, the word of God. That's what matters to him. And God has provided for him to do this. So the poem, I can't remember it. I have to look it up to get it right. But he talks about the two natures that beat within my chest. One, I love, the other detest. So which nature are you going to Feed. Which one are you going to nurture that becomes the strongest? Which one is going to become the best? Are you going to nurture love, kindness, and compassion? Are you going to nurture hatred, lack of integrity, thieving, lying, deceiving, manipulating, maligning, perverting the word of God, twisting the word of God to take it from what it is to what you want it to be or what you think it should be? We have a choice. We have a choice to make. Those two natures, and that that little illustration and analogy I shared with you of the young man who was having that dream about the two dogs. Same thing, it's that nature that's in the heart darkness, hatred, bitterness, lack of integrity, untruth, deception, or kindness, compassion, caring, loving, nurturing. We have a choice to make, we have choices. Life is full of choices, and God likes to be involved in those. So when we look to Him and we actually verbalize our trust in Him, we seek His face. We invite Him into the things that we do, even in the littlest things. And and this is where this is a stumbling block for me, quite admittedly, is that when it seems so small, I can handle that. I got this. No, God, I'm going to get in this. You know, it frustrates me when I get these really small pieces and I got my fingertips too big. I want you to be here with me. It's all it takes. And the devil wants to convince you that it's too trivial for God. Lie, 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 lie. It's not too little for God. God is a good, good father. He wants to be involved in everything that we do, everything that we are about. He wants to be that. My earthly father was that way, and then I started getting a little older, and I, I, me, myself, and I decided that I was too old for him, and he didn't want to. Oh, my gosh. Did I talk to him about it? No. I made the decision. Did I muck it up? Yes. Pardon me. And when I talked to him later, he was doing the same thing. He thought I didn't want to, and I thought he didn't want. Oh, man, one of the best hikes and wilderness ventures we ever had was the two weeks we went up in the mountains, and we stayed up there, and we slept out on the sandbar in the middle of a river. And it was shortly after that conversation that we had, finally opening up to one another, we took off and went to the mountains stayed out there for two weeks and stayed out in the middle of a river living on a sandbar. What a great time. No light intrusion or infiltration out there laying on our back and looking up at the stars in the sky. Oh my goodness. When you get in places that are absolutely dark and there is no light, pollution or interference from the outside world and you look up there and see what God did and you can see it in its in its purity you can see much more of what God has done it's absolutely breathtaking you get out there in absolute darkness you look up in the clear sky and there is no light coming from anywhere except the stars and maybe the moon if it's up it is incredible absolutely incredible but we need to talk to God we need to invite him into everything God's going to walk with us and he gets us through and I shared with you looking out to that mountain getting up on the precipice and that he's going to walk beside us and when need be he'll have a guardian right beside you walking with you to help guide you through there so that you're not going to fall and get hurt And we also have to realize this, I fall prey to this sometimes, not so often because I'm, I've learned more and more and more and more to see what God has got right before me in my face. I'm satisfied actually with doing as much as I can possibly do for God. Because in doing that, I see that God does as much as you can possibly do for me and take care of me and guide me and provide my needs. And I'm not doing this as a trade-off and try to buy this from God. God's doing this because he's my good father and he loves me. I do what I do because I love God and it's something that he asked me to do. How simple is this? You believe that my son came and died for you? Then tell people about it. Share my gospel, his gospel, and share that the Holy Spirit comes to help guide us through our walk while we're here. That's all I want you to do. I will. I do. Let's go. I will follow Jesus. I do have faith in you. Let's go. Holy Spirit, head on. Daily. And God sets before me these beautiful things that are taking place. And and we always have this issue. We want to look out what's what's in front. What's behind door number two? Is it bigger than what's behind this door that God put in front of me in door number one or door number three here now? Wow, door number two is sitting out there in tomorrow. I wonder if I should wait and just give up on this. And holding off for door number two. And door number two looks really, really big. I bet there's something bigger in there. So, for those of you that don't know, that are too young and might not remember, probably don't remember, especially if you're in that millennial age group. That's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. But um, there are those that might be my age or a little bit older, and they remember a show <laughs> It was kind of a silly show. It was called Let's Make a Deal. It was so silly that they actually got people to dress up in these absolutely ridiculous, silly costumes and show up just so they could get on camera and make a deal. And the deal would be, you know, they could have a little bucket. It looks like a nice bucket on the stage and a little pretty stage hand is up there and she's doing her little hand wave thing. Or do you want what's behind door number three? And door number three is this huge, giant door. And it fills the whole stage. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, I want door number three. And they take door number three. And behind door number three is another little stage girl. And she's dressed up like a little farm girl. And she's got a baby piglet on the end of this giant rope that is way too big for it. But it's tied up with that. And it's running around on stage and squealing. You can hear it. And they're all like, "Oh." Well, that's what they traded for. And then when you go back to the ice bucket, they say, let's, what, let's see what was in the ice bucket. And they dump over the ice bucket and there was $5,000 in cash in there. So they traded away for a pig. We do the very same thing. We worry about what's out there tomorrow behind door number two, door number three, door number one. God sets before us gifts here, now, presently. Providing for us, providing for what we really need. Brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, and for those that are are not adopted yet, which is okay, but I have to share this with you. I see things that are, God just provides not only my needs, but the things through the course of the day when he brings people to me that I can share the word with or or give a word to or uplift them some way. That's a gift of God. He brings people to me to bless them. And I don't pull this pompous, holier-than-thou, pharisaic attitude and do a little wave in the hand of the three fingers over them and say, bless you now, go on your way. I don't ever do that. When I provide something for them and they say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I say, God gave that to me so I could share with you. Thank him. And you're welcome. And that's the way I told God that I would deal with these things. And I really make it a hard practice when I do those things to remind them of that. The other night I had a really great opportunity. I wasn't sure about this man, but then I recognized because it was nighttime. It was really dark. And it was very cold and he was very upset and he was starting to cry a little bit. An older gentleman, probably in... I know, pretty close to early, late 70s. Very upset, very distraught, didn't know what to do, didn't know where, where to be, <clears throat> and they were having an issue, and he needed a few dollars. At first I said no, but then I recognized who he was and listened to what he was talking about, and he made an arrangement with the, with the guy at his apartment to, to the maintenance guy who was going to get him in, but he needed a few dollars to pay him to get the key and let him get in so he could get medication, get the things that he needed so he could go to his little part-time job that he had. And I gave, at first, like I said, I wasn't sure because he get hit up by a lot of these folks and, and uh, the Spirit started talking to me because I was going to tell him no at first. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me that I had that exactly what he asked for and just to give that to him. And I did. And he was like, oh, thank you. And he started crying and was all thankful and all that stuff. I said, God gave that to me for you. You know, I've got to remind people of these things. Take today's gifts that God gives us and just unwrap it and be happy with it. And you have to remember this sometimes, too, brothers and sisters. Sometimes the things that God provides for us are kind of like an onion. You have to peel back the layers to get to the heart of it. But that's part of it. That's part of the gift that's to unwrap it a little part at a time. Because in doing so, you get deeper into the gift, and you find out that there's much more to it that's involved than just that thing that was set down there on the table in front of you, that had the wrapping and the bows and the glit and glitter and everything on it. There's much more to that, and what we have to remember too. And, and I like this here. It's a so. I'm going to actually read in Romans eight twenty nine through thirty one. <clears throat> Because, no, I'm going to go back to 28. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Is to share the gospel, to share the truth and knowledge and wisdom of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came and sacrificed for us. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. (coughs) So, he created us to have that in our hearts. But again, remember, I share with you that he gave us a free will choice. Do we choose to follow after that and be in that image of Jesus Christ, to share Jesus Christ and to reflect that light, or do we choose to walk in darkness and listen to that white noise, constant staticky interference from Satan? And in appearances, what we see is that they may be prospering and they may be richer or better than me, blah, blah, wah, wah, wah. Ah, but that's visible that's only temporal, it will melt and rust away and they that have that which God has given to them shall last forever. Your eternal reward at the end is a crown that we will cast at Jesus' feet because he is our Lord Sovereign and he came and sacrificed his life for me. He is deserving of that. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called and whom he called, then he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Justified in the power and the might and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we will be glorified Transfigured as Jesus Christ was transfigured, and our bodies to be glorified into our heavenly form, we will be. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Wow. And as I share with you the gifts from God and what he does continually in verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. Wow. Brothers and sisters, and as it is shared down here in verse 34, you will see that Christ died, but he also rose. And he also makes intercession for us. He prays for us every single day. In 2 Corinthians, it speaks to those things that i shared with you. And... uh, 4 and 18. Why well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which we are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Talking about spiritual eyesight, spiritual hearing, those things that we hear and things that we are even able to touch, but the spiritual uh, are eternal. And they will be forever. They will be always. We will be a part of that. To know and accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And to have faith in God. And as Hagar was out in the wilderness and she was crying out to God, she was seeking God. She was seeking help from God. She was in a jam. She was in a fix. But she also knew and was aware of God. And she knew that God would respond and that God was always present in some form or another, either walking right beside her or hearing her and providing an angelic guide or protector. And he did. He responded. He sent an angel. The God who sees me. You have to remember, brothers and sisters, the devil wants you to believe that you're on your own. God simply wants you to believe that he's there. He's with you all the time. He is with us all the time. On the present, omnipotent, omniscient, all those things,